Okay, so you were talking about that you had a an online retreat, and the online retreat was, was uh, with Bhante Guna, uh, excuse me, uh, Vila Maramsi, uh, talking about metta. All right. Yes. We can first off talk about metta <clears throat> as wholesome thoughts. If you actually have thoughts of metta, those thoughts are in fact wholesome. Mm -hmm. And that the teaching of the Buddha is that we have, that's the first job that we have to have is to get the mind uh, secluded from the unwholesome things into wholesome. And so you could say that metta would be then a classification of wholesome thoughts. And in that regard, that's okay. Um, another way of thinking about it, though, is, is that uh, it is better to get um, the mind straightened out and get the mind pure on its own in, in seclusion and in private, in our private practice. And then metta is going to be what we do with the world on the outside once we get the mind cleaned out. That's mm -hmm. another way of looking at it, that metta is always around uh, or, or uh, concerned with other people. But another way of looking at it is metta and the rest of the Brahma Viharas is something that we do with the world, the world outside. If we can clean out the world inside, then we can deal with the world correctly on the outside. If we are, in fact, not cleaned out on the inside, then our practice of dealing correctly with the world on the outside is in danger because we haven't gotten uh, things really cleaned out on the inside. So you could say that, um, that mental would be kind of a beginner's practice. We're just working with getting the mind wholesome. Mm -hmm. And one thing that we have to understand also is that uh, kind of metta by its nature is an active kind of thing. It's not passive. In the sense that we're actually wanting to share metta. We're wanting to radiate energy. We're wanting and intending to do something that's going to help other people on the outside. So there's that, that quality of actual hands-on or skin in the game, which is correct, as opposed to passively watching. Mm -hmm. Again, an example of that would be playing a video game, and there would be two ways to play it. One is you're playing the game yourself. You've got the hand on the mouse. You're moving the cards if it's a card game or putting in the numbers if it's Sudoku or uh, moving your little icon around in the various places to do various things in the game. That's one way of playing the game. The other one is to just merely watch someone else play a game. If you're watching someone else play the game, but you're not actually involved directly with the game, then that game uh, doesn't hold so much um, for us 
and the mind can wander away from it. We can get distracted very easily. Okay. So we want to operate in a way so that the mind does not get distracted. And so that means that we actually have to play the game or have some skin in the game. Now, uh, besides just the thoughts, we actually have the entire Satipatthana, the entire system. That it's not possible for someone to say, okay, I'm going to meditate now, but I'm only going to meditate on feelings and the body and the mind and the mind's objects can stay in the bed. No, can't do that. We can't separate that out. That when we go in, we got to bring the whole thing in. All of the body, all the feelings, all the mind, everything. So if we're only just putting metta as a mind object, then we're not having a complete practice. That actually, Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa has said that the Buddha only taught one kind of meditation. Only one. And that kind of meditation that he taught was Anapanasati. But that Anapanasati actually incorporates all of the other stuff. You could basically say that um, most people have a collection of tools that they have picked up. Like maybe this year they bought a hammer and next year they bought a wrench and next year they bought a uh, screwdriver and, and that and that's different than Anapanasati in the sense that some people will go to uh, a big department store like Sears and buy a tool set. And that whole tool set's got all of the tools in it. Mm-hmm. That's what Anapanasati is more. It's the entire tool set. It's the whole show. Everything that we need. Not just one piece of it. Okay. okay. So uh, would you yeah, would you say that it's better to um, to incorporate all the tools instead of just picking tool by tool and perfecting every tool? Well, perfect, well, you can't perfect one tool before you go to the next. It's better to work on one and work on another and work on one and work on another back and forth like that, one by one as they occur, as things arise. Is, the t- is when they should be worked on, as opposed to uh, forsaking one uh, and thinking only meta thou. I'm only going to do meta. I'm not going to do anything else but meta. That's not really possible. That's like saying, I'm going to do meta, I'm going to stop breathing. No, we're going to continue right on with our breathing, but we can work together with that. As I breathe in, I breathe in joy, and as I breathe out, I I radiate that joy to others. That would be a form of metta. Mm -hmm. Okay. But breathing in joy and breathing out relaxing would be basically the same thing. Because both of them are wholesome. Making sure that we have wholesome thoughts in the mind, but also... Uh, not just taking the effort that it takes to remove unwholesome thoughts and put wholesome thoughts in, but we also want to do that with the breath so that we can uh, actually take control of the breath and begin to breathe correctly as opposed to breathing 
in whatever old slipshod way that the nervous system and, and uh, the reptilian mind uh, has its breathing because that's generally very conservative, very shallow. And so we want to actually breathe deeper so that we can oxygenate the body. And so you can incorporate meta with the breathing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So part of one mind moment would be that you would take uh, uh, having wholesome thoughts and also uh, taking wholesome breaths. This would be what the Buddha calls right effort, to take the effort to have only wholesome thoughts, only wholesome thoughts, one after another, after another, after another. Um, Also, the Buddha talks about becoming secluded from unwholesome states and being secluded or away from the world. So it's actually then to instead of having metta or talking about may all beings be happy, uh, which is pretty big job, big job to make everybody happy. Let's start with a job that we can have. And that is, is that may I be happy. May this happiness get started right here. If there is no happiness here, then how can that happiness spread and radiate outwards? Mm-hmm. So we have to generate that happiness. We have to generate that joy. We have to generate that meta for ourselves. And one of the ways that we see that we don't do that is by having critical thoughts, critical thoughts of wanting something. Then, in fact, wanting the world to be happy when we know the world is not happy is a kind of a hindrance. It's better to be successful. Yeah. Okay. How, how would you um, have a question? Um, okay. Um, how would you categorize uh, like something traumatic or something in the past that where you experience a lot of pain? Um, that's probably an unwholesome thought. But Absolutely. how do you deal with that? It's, uh, Don't think about that stuff if it's painful. Throw that out of the mind. Perhaps substitute the thought uh, of pain with, hey, I don't have to think about that anymore. Thoughts of, that's not who I am now. I've made a change. There's no reason for me to go back into the past and remember something that was painful in the past because if I do, it's now going to be painful right now. Why should I suffer now? I've already suffered enough in the past with it. And if I think about it tomorrow, then I'll suffer tomorrow. Better just to forget about that stuff. To not deal with the past. To stay with the present moment. Now, um, that's not to say that by forgetting the past, we are doomed to continue to do that. That, in fact, part of the forgetting about it is to take on the determination or the decision. That's not who I am. I don't do that anymore. If that caused pain in the past, it'll cause pain in the future if I do it in the future, therefore I'm going to renounce it and not do that anymore. This is why we use the word renunciation, but we're not talking about renouncing things in general 
because they might be dangerous. It's better to think about it in the sense of we renounce one thing at a time as we see that thing dangerous. And so we renounce that behavior. So if I hit my dad when I was 15 and I think about my, hitting my dad when I was 15, I can say now I don't hit dads. That's not who I am now. That's who I was then. And when I hit my dad when I was 15, I thought it was the right thing to do at the time. But that's not who I am now. Now I can see that that was a very uh, unwholesome thing to do. And I would not do it now. Therefore, I can forget about the fact that I hit my dad when I was 15 because I don't hit people now. That's not who I am. That's not me. And so this is also part of the process of recognizing that you're not who you thought you are. You're not your past. A lot of people will say, well, who am I then? And that's not even the right answer or that's not the right question. The right question is not who I am now, but the right question is who am I not? I am not that behavior. I am not that bad behavior. I'm don't do that. I refrain from that kind of bad behavior. And so this is and so we can forget about that past. And now we can bring in instead of being critical of the past, we can bring in nurturing. Everything right now is okay. Everything is fine. Everything is uh, I love things right now. Every I feel really kind towards everything that I have that loving kindness towards myself. This is the way to begin to practice is to have only wholesome thoughts. Only wholesome thoughts are basically about right now. I don't have to worry about being happy with someone else next week when I see them. I can work for that week being happy right now. And then when I see that person, I will then be able to give them the metta because I've been practicing it all week. So rather than thinking of um, metta as a form of meditation, rather just think of metta as one of the kinds of wholesome thoughts that we would have while practicing anapanasati. Okay. Is to keep the mind wholesome, keep the mind um, um, into a state of one wholesome thought after another. This is the very first thing that needs to be done and you could say that a metta practice taught by Vila Maramsi is in fact correct practice because he's uh, basically instructing to have one wholesome thought of metta after another after another. Which is a much superior method of practice than what you would call a noting practice where the noting is done without cleaning out the mind. In other words, having metta practice and doing the noting of the metta practice would be good. That would be wholesome, beneficial to actually not just do metta, but know you're doing metta, recognizing how you feel when you're doing the metta, to experience the enthusiasm and the joy and the bliss of doing the metta. That's worth noting. But other meditation systems will say, well, just pay attention to whatever there is. Just note what is. 
Well, if they know what is, that means without being able to clean out the mind, they're noting a bunch of garbage. Mm -hmm. Okay, that meditation the Buddha would not recommend. He would not recommend denoting garbage and having garbage and unwholesome thoughts. For instance, how, how good is your metta going to be if, let us use the word Jim, Mr. Jim, a friend of ours, and you have uh, the wholesome thought, may Jim be happy. And then we'll have another wholesome thought, yeah, but he said a really dirty remark the other day. And then we say, well, may Jim be happy. And then we says, but I don't like what he had to say. And then we say, may Jim be happy again. Okay, so you see wholesome, unwholesome, wholesome, unwholesome, wholesome, unwholesome. That's normally how the mind goes. To practice real metta means that we have to remove all of the unwholesome thoughts and have only wholesome thoughts in. Then it's really metta, then it's really wholesome because it's one wholesome thought after another after another. And that we do that with sati, we have to remember one wholesome thought after another, we have to remember to do that. This is why the breathing is so valuable, is because the breathing will help to anchor us back into the present moment to help us remember to have these wholesome thoughts. That in fact we can have wholesome thought, unwholesome, then another wholesome, and then two unwholesome thoughts, and then another wholesome, and now three unwholesome thoughts, and now a wholesome, and now we're nothing but unwholesome thoughts. <clears throat> and so we use the breathing to break us back to the here now so that we can begin to make that a long deep breath to put some skin in the game to actually uh, make this an active meditation to actually take control of the breathing if we can take control of the breathing then we can take control of the mind mm -hmm. and so this is why we put the mind and the breathing together and if we can take control of the mind and take control of the breathing then we can begin to take control of the feelings in other words, if you can with metta practice or with any other wholesome thoughts, talk yourself into feeling good, then that's remarkably different than the way we spend our whole lives with unwholesome thoughts of talking ourselves into feeling bad. And so any bad feelings that we have are because of the thoughts that are unwholesome and not friendly. That you can think of, in fact, that whole, that meta thoughts are, are just friendly thoughts. Thoughts of joy, thoughts of well-being, thoughts of happiness. And if you can have those thoughts one after another after another, then your mind is in a really healthy, wholesome state. Mm -hmm. And then you can actually practice metta when you go out into the world that you really do want others to be happy because you're already in that state of happiness yourself. It really is hard to, hard to give a gift to someone when you do not have that gift to give them. And that's what metta is all about, is that we cannot give something that we don't have to give. So we want to make sure that when we give the gift of metta, we've got plenty of it in, in uh, reserve. We've got a ton of joy. 
so that we can keep giving them joy and keep giving them joy and keep giving them joy no matter what they're giving back to us. Normally we give a little meta and a little meta and they don't take it and then we get confused and unhappy because they're not accepting our meta. But if you have meta, a lot of it, then when people you give them meta and they don't they don't take it, you can just give them more and give them more and give them more. And pretty soon, let us say that you're dealing with someone angry. If he's angry and you have only a little bit of metta, then his angry is big. He's going to help you get angry. But if you have tons and tons and tons of joy, tons and tons and tons of metta, then when he's angry, you give him joy. He's still angry. You give him more joy. He's still angry. You give him more joy. And pretty soon he begins to come out of his anger and you give him even more joy. Mm-hmm. And then you give him some more joy. And pretty soon he becomes joyful and he's got forgotten all about his anger. But anger, as you know, is pretty heavy duty stuff. And it's really easy to get other people angry if you're angry yourself. Knowing that means that you've got to really have yourself together, really have this wholesome state, really have metta down solid before you can go share it. Because you don't know who you're going to share it with or how bad off they are when you're trying to share your joy. This is why we practice it, to gain wholesomeness so that we can have one wholesome thought after another wholesome thought after another wholesome thought even when they're inviting you to start having unwholesome thoughts, you're not going to do it. You're going to stay wholesome, more wholesome, more joy, more metta, one more thought after another, after another, after another of wholesomeness. And that's how you would deal with metta with people. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I would not say at all that metta practice and anapanasati practice are different from each other. No, metta is just uh, one of the ways of looking at a bigger package of Anapanasati that's just more complete. But wholesome thoughts are the absolute bedrock. If you cannot have wholesome thoughts one after another, after another, after another, then your meditation is not useful to you. And so if you can have one metta thought after another metta thought after another metta thought, your mind is getting more and more wholesome one thought at a time. That's quite beneficial. I congratulate you. If you can stay in the state of metta, stay in the state of one wholesome thought after another, you're practicing the teachings of the Buddha. Mm-hmm. The problem with the metta is, is that it's a metta thought and an unwholesome thought and a metta thought and an unwholesome and another unwholesome thought, another thought of metta, and now we've just got too many unwholesome thoughts and we forget about the metta. So we can actually use the breath to help us to remember to make the mind wholesome again, to come back and practice metta. But the most important way is to practice metta on yourself first. How can you uh, uh, say, may all beings feel nurtured when you're not feeling nurtured yourself? Like I say, you've got to have a gift before you can give it. Mm-hmm. So this is how we practice it, is with nurturing thought. Everything is okay. Everything is fine. No problems, no worries, no suffering. And so we keep talking to ourselves in this regard. And 
that brings up this state of wholesomeness so that the mind can go into a, a nice state of joy. In fact, there's Pali words for this, pity and sukha. You can say that pity is much more, uh, um, it's exuberant, enthusiastic, um, uh, almost to the state, or in fact, in the state of euphoria. But a more important feeling is the feeling of sukha in the sense of safety, security, comfort, at ease. This is the feeling of sukha, and this is a feeling that can be brought about with words that are wholesome. And mm -hmm. so if you have metta thoughts, thoughts of metta, and it does not bring you into that state of satisfaction, security, comfort and uh, relaxation, then your metta practice is not doing you any value. But if you're practicing correctly, it will bring you with that uh, wholesome thoughts of metta into a state of safety, security, contentment, and satisfaction. And that state of satisfaction is exactly opposite of the state of dukkha, which is unsatisfying. And so you can talk yourself into being in a state of satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Okay. So does that help you to understand about how Anapanasati and Metta meditation fit in together? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of the same coin, but different sides, but yeah. Well, it's the same coin in just different um, aspects or different light. Mm -hmm. That metta would be like shining a flashlight on it, and uh, uh, Anapanasati would be like turning all the lights in the house on, or maybe full daylight. And now we can really see what that coin looks like. So without any metta at all, that's like being in the dark, mm -hmm. full of hindrances, full of ignorance. Okay. Yeah. So metta is actually just one of the four foundations of mindfulness. What is that? The mind's objects. To make sure that you've got only wholesome thoughts, only wholesome thoughts, only wholesome thoughts. But with Anapanasati, it's more than just wholesome thoughts. It's that the fact that the body can become completely relaxed. And that the feelings change from the ordinary feelings of anxiety and uptightness and got work to do and uh, places to go into the state of security, comfort, relaxation. And this is the things that uh, Anapanasati make a point of, one step at a time. In fact, step four of Anapanasati is relaxing the body. Step five is pity. Step six is sukha. And step 10 is gladdening the mind. That's where the words of metta come in. So metta is only part of the practice of Anapanasati. It's an important part. In fact, I would say it's the key ingredient. If you cannot gladden the mind with metta, then all you've got left is the Mahasi noting. And the only thing there's to note is what's not metta, because you don't have it. <laughs> 
Yeah. So I, I, I wholeheartedly endorse the teachings of Vila Maramsi. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? Yeah, I have to, I have to think about how I incorporate. I kind of want to do both, but at the same time, you have to choose at, at some point. No, um, here's how to no. do it. Watch what I'm doing. As I breathe in, I say, may all, and then as I breathe out, beings be happy. Mm -hmm. Everything is going to be all right. Everybody's going to be fine. So we actually incorporate it with the breathing. While I'm breathing, I have hopes and thoughts. While I breathe in, long, deep in breath, I can have very wholesome thoughts of metta. And while I'm breathing out, I can have in, uh, breathe out using long, wholesome thoughts of metta. Mm -hmm. So that's how we do it together. Not five minutes of metta and five minutes of anapanasati. Oh no, oh no. We do it together. Okay. Within one in-breath, we can have metta. Within the next out-breath, we have metta. And like I said, metta within. Everything's going to be all right, right here, right now. We don't have to worry about fixing the whole world. Let's get this part of the world straight. Mm -hmm. Knowing that if we've got this part of the world really straight, and we take that really straight-minded world out with us, then wherever we go in the world out there, we're going to deal with it with metta. But the practice of metta is to get one's own mind in metta, not to get everybody else's mind in metta. Yeah. Starting by yourself and then spreading it outside. Yeah. yeah. You got to have it before you can spread it. And if you spread it well, that means you got a lot of it. So that you can spread it thick. This is the way of practicing metta with Anapanasati together. It's actually the same practice. But like I said, uh, that Anapanasati is a little bit more complete. Now, it's actually quite possible for someone to get uh, metta instructions and then practice all of Anapanasati because they figured out for themselves that they, in fact, the, the metta practice is the key ingredient. And that key ingredient is missing in many meditation systems when they say just be aware of what's going on because what that means now is that what you're going to be aware and what your meditation becomes is meditation upon garbage, upon hindrances. So the metta is absolutely spot on that you're bringing the mind into the wholesome. Now is the time to start noting what's happening while we have a mind filled with joy.
So pay attention. Notice what you're doing. Notice how the body feels. Notice how the feelings feel. Do you feel, in fact, bliss? Do you feel the joy? Can you experience it? Or is just the word meta, 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 meta all there is with no real meta being built up? Okay, you got to build it up. You got to use the meta practice in order to get completely overjoyed, completely filled with meta, completely blissed out, joyful everywhere, enthusiastic joy. Mm-hmm. Exuberant joy. So this is a way of practicing metta, is when it becomes enthusiastically joyful. And in order to practice metta correctly, you have to be free from the hindrances. That's very, in, in the places where metta is mentioned in the suttas, that's the issue is we have to be completely free from unwholesome states. Only then will the metta be of any value. Yes. So that gives you a way of practicing. And if you're sitting there doing the uh, following the guided meditations and whatnot of metta, more than likely you are practicing anapanasati in a more complete sense, even though the teacher wasn't specifically mentioning it. Mm-hmm. The practicing metta should bring on a state of joy and peace, relaxation, enthusiasm. And if it doesn't, if your meta practice doesn't bring those states of feelings on, then you're not practicing metta at all. You're practicing the words of metta rather than the actual feelings of metta. And so Anapanasati merely points out that if you're going to be doing metta and having all wholesome thoughts, the outcome of that, immediate or soon the immediate outcome, is going to be well-being. A feeling of ease, a feeling of comfort, feeling of safety and security and satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I hope that answers your question about meta. Yeah. I have to think about it a little bit more, and um, yeah. All right, well, think uh, about it. Practice it. Don't just think about it. Think about, in fact, metta. <laughs> <laughs> yes, go practice having really wholesome thoughts, one after another after another, and see if with those wholesome thoughts, if they are, in fact, wholesome, it, be, it winds up that you feel wholesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there you go with working with the body and the feelings as well as just the words of metta. It's a complete practice when it's done correctly. Yeah. Yeah, during um, during the meditation, uh, I saw that some parts, because you can't really take out the breath at all because it's so so present 
mm -hmm. at some point, even with meta um, as the object of meditation, um, you still feel the breath <laughs> at some point. So it's, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if you feel really good and, ver and vibrant, then you're naturally going to be breathing better anyway. Because if the mind is full of hindrances, part of the hindrances is fear and anxiety and worry and all of that. And when we're fearful, the body wants to shut down to freeze. And so that's why normal, ordinary breathing is not very healthy for people. But meta breathing, very healthy. Mm -hmm. Because we're aware, we're awake to it. We begin to deep breathe, take a deep breath, making that a point of sati. I remember this is an easy deep breath, and I remember this is an easy deep out breath. So it's all the same like that. In practicing metta correctly, it is anapanasati. And anapanasati, when practiced correctly, is a form of metta. Mm -hmm. And that really important issue is one wholesome thought after another wholesome thought after another wholesome thought after another wholesome thought. That's what's important. Yeah. Okay, so let's go practice that. Let's see how that works, all right? Yes, I'll let you know, definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. yeah. Call me back and, and tell me how it's going, Olivia. Mm -hmm. Okay. Will do. Thank you very much. Yes. We'll see you soon. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.